Please remain standing and take the Bible. The Bible that you have in, 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 in your hand together with me. And turn to our scripture reading this morning. The first one comes from Psalm 69. Psalm 69, 7 to 9. And our text this morning will be the Gospel of John, chapter 2, beginning from verse 13 to 22. But first, a reading from the Old Testament, Psalm 69, verse 7 to 9. For it is for your sake that I have borne reproach, that dishonor has covered my face, I have become a stranger to my brothers, an alien to my mother's sons. For zeal for your house has consumed me, and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. Turn to John chapter 2. John chapter 2. Verse 13 to 22. Now remember this comes right after the miracle that our Lord Jesus Christ performed in Cana of Galilee. The turning of the water into wine. The Passover of the Jews was at hand. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple... He found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there and making a whip of cords. He drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen and he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. So the Jews said to him, What sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up. The Jews then said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple. And will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this. And they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had Spoken. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we now ask you to sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. We are the temple of God. And through the proclamation of your word and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we now ask you to cleanse us to the glory of your name. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Some years ago, I was in Oklahoma attending a Christian conference. And as my ride and myself were passing by, by one church, I saw a banner at the front of the church. And on the banner was written these words, Jesus is God and he has never been angry. Jesus is God and he has never been angry. I wonder how many of you here this morning completely agree with that analysis, with that conclusion, conclusion that Jesus is God and he has never been angry. The first part of the statement, Jesus is God, I think they got it right in John 1, 1. John himself tells us, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So was Jesus God? Yes, Jesus was God. Jesus is God. But the second part of the expression, the declaration, if you will, that he has never been angry, was not consistent with the teaching of the Scripture. In the light of the teaching of the Scripture and what we specific, specifically see in our text this morning, I would say those who put this statement on the banner got the first part right, but they were wrong with the second part of the statement. For example, when the Israelites worshipped a golden calf, God was angry toward his people. God was angry with his people and he punished his people for replacing him with the golden calf. And here in our text this morning, Jesus, by what he saw at the temple in Jerusalem, in the place of religious worship, he got angry and he drove all the people out of the temple. So the question is not, does Jesus get angry? Was he ever angry? That was not the question. Because the answer is yes. Jesus gets angry. The question must be why. Why Jesus gets angry? What makes him angry? Well, from our text this morning, we see one specific matter that causes Jesus to be angry. And that is to see the worship of his father in God's house being misused and abused. The worship of the true and the living God, the worship of his father. When Jesus 
sees that worship being distorted, being abused by people, that makes Jesus angry. When that happens, he expresses a holy anger and performs an act of cleansing in God's house for God's glory and the spiritual well-being of his people. And I want us to discover that this morning under three points from our text. First, I want us to consider the occasion in verse 13. And then the transgression in verse 14. And then the solution and the provision in verses 15 to 22. What was the occasion upon which Jesus drove those who were selling animals for worship, those who were exchanging money in the temple? What was the occasion upon which Jesus drove all of them out of the temple? The first interesting connection that I want you all to observe together with me is after which wonderful act of miracle that this act of Jesus, Jesus cleansing the temple, comes. It comes after the first miracle that Jesus performed in Cana of Galilee at the wedding. That first miracle where Jesus turned the water into wine. One who causes or brings conversion and transformation to people's life. You know, this act of cleansing at the temple comes after that miracle. After that miracle of transformation of life and conversion of people's life. The picture being Jesus turning the water into wine as God, as someone who transforms people's life. That act was an act of compassion and an act of love toward uh, those people at the wedding. This act at the temple was an act of anger, an act of cleansing. So what, what do you learn from this? Yes, God brings conversion to people's life, but once He converts people, He also sanctifies His people. Conversion and cleansing, sanctification, they always go together in the life of believers. He brought conversion to your life to sanctify you, to sanctify you to the end by the power of the Spirit and the Word. Paul in 1 Corinthians 3.16 reminds us that we are the temple of God. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? When this temple is abused, when this temple is not being used for the glory of God, God through the Holy Spirit comes into the life of into our lives 
and He sanctifies us. And do you know how many times Jesus cleansed the temple in Jerusalem? Two times. This one was at the beginning of his ministry. The second one was at the end of his ministry. Jesus lived his life to sanctify his people, to sanctify his temple, his house, the house of his father. You see how much he loves his church, how much he loves his temple, how much he loves his, the house of his father. He began his ministry by cleansing the temple and he finished his ministry on earth right before his crucifixion by cleansing the temple. The message was, I am very concerned with the worship of my father. I don't want to see the worship of my father being abused, being misused. That was the message. Now remember what the occasion was. The occasion was the Passover feast. The Passover feast. Now remember this feast. The Passover feast was mandated by God. When Israel was delivered from Egypt in Exodus 12, they were told by God, that the last plague is going to be the death of the firstborn in Egypt. That the the angel of death will come to Egypt to kill the firstborn in Egypt. And the only way that the angel of death will pass over the houses of the Israelites was if they would sacrifice an animal and put the blood, sprinkling the blood on the doorpost of their houses. And God told them when the angel of death comes to Egypt, he will pass over the houses of the Israelites because of the blood on the doorpost. That was a symbol of the work of Christ, the Messiah, when he also put his blood on the cross. And God passes over the the sins of his people because he punishes his son being crucified on the cross. That was the symbol of what happened in Egypt. And God commanded the people of Israel to celebrate, to remember the Passover feast once in a year in Jerusalem. And that's why you see these thousands of people were gathered in Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover feast that God mandated that they would celebrate every year. But the object of that feast, the object of that celebration, whether the people understood it or not, was Christ. In 1 Corinthians 5, 7, Paul said, For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Christ, our Passover lamb. So that Passover feast points people to Christ who is the final Passover lamb. Now in normal days, the population of Jerusalem was around 130,000. 
But when the Israelites and many other people who comes from other places gather in Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover feast, Jerusalem would be filled with more than um, more than over a, a million people. All the uh, the inns in Israel would be would be full. And people in Jerusalem would rent their rooms to worshipers who, who uh, comes to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover feast. So you can imagine how Jerusalem was crowded with millions of people to celebrate this feast. And when Jesus came to the temple, he saw the temple being misused. In verse 13 and 14, this is what we read. The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. Now, it was normal in, uh, in the Passover feast for people to buy animals for sacrifice, for people to exchange money because the priests in Israel wouldn't accept other currencies, so they had to change them to the currencies where, um, uh, where priests would accept them in the temple to, to buy animals for, for sacrifice. So what was, what was the problem? What was the core issue that really... Uh, made Christ to become angry and drove all these people out of the temple. The priests in the temple in Israel were um, using the, uh, the buying and the selling in the temple for their own gain. They were doing all the selling and exchange of money at the um, other court of the temple that was called the court of Gentiles. Gentiles were permitted to, to come to, to that part of the temple for worship. They were not allowed to come inside the temple for worship. Remember, they were considered unclean. They were not pure in the eyes of the Jewish people, in the eyes of the priests in Israel. So they must stay at the outer court of the temple. And the priestess increased all the prices, uh, 10%, 20% high. They were abusing the people in the temple. And Jesus saw that. And everything was connected with worship. Everything was connected with the religious worship in his father's house. That's why, you see, Jesus was angry. Jesus was zealous toward cleansing uh, the temple. So the occasion, my brothers and sisters uh, in Christ, was the abuse and misuse of worship in God's house. The question is, is this still the problem today? What was not normal in the temple was what the priests were doing. 
what the religious system in Israel was doing in the temple, in the house of God. In Matthew 21, 13, this is what we read. This is uh, according to Matthew. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you made it a den of robbers, a den of thieves. You turned the house of my, my father into a marketplace. You are doing business in the church. You are doing business in the church to gain money for yourself. This is not worship. And that was the transgression. All was done by the priests, including the high priest in the temple, a place that should be a house of worship, prayer, and teaching. And you see, you see in my second point, the transgression, Jesus saw when he came to the temple, he saw an old age, an age-old problem still existing in Israel. You remember in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 1, where God addresses the people of Israel about worship in the temple, starting from verse 11. Uh, what to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord. I have enough of burning offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of the bulls or the lambs, or the goats, when he come to appear before me, who has, who has required of you? This trembling of courts, bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations, I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. That's exactly what Jesus saw at the temple in Jerusalem. That sin still existed. In Amos 5.23, God told the people of Israel, Take away from me the noise of your songs, for the melody of your harps. I will not listen. I don't turn to hear your songs. You're singing, you're praying, you're making all these sacrifices, but I hate what you're doing in my house, in the temple. In Matthew 15, 8 and 9, these people, Jesus said, honor me with their lips, with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You see, this is what Jesus saw in the temple. So we saw the occasion, we saw the transgression, and now we, saw, we see the solution. Listen to what John tells us 
and making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen, and he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Now the first thing I want you to see is this. How Jesus expressed his holy anger toward these people who abused the worship of his father. He took whip made of cords and he drove all of them out of the temple. He cleansed the temple. He made the temple free from those people. That was his anger. But his anger was holy. His anger was controlled. He didn't hurt anyone in the temple. He was not violent. He took his time to even make that whip from the cord. He, was, he, he knew what, was, what, what, what he was doing. He had, he had an object. He had a, a purpose. And, and the object of his motivation was the worship of his father. The worship of his father. And beloved, two amazing things took place here. First, his zeal. His zeal. Jesus even caused the disciples to remember Psalm 69. Zeal for your house will consume me. What is zeal? What is zeal? Jesse Ryle, one of the Bible commentators, he gives us a definition for zeal. In the Christian life. And, and I quote. Zeal in Christianity. Is a burning desire. To please God. To do his will. And advance his glory in the world. In every possible way. It is a desire. Which is not natural to men and women. It is a desire. Which the Holy Spirit puts. In the heart of every believer. When they are converted to Christ. That is zeal. Jesus had that kind of anger in his heart, in his mind. You see, Jesus' anger was like that. It had, it had proper motivation, proper focus on God's worship. He was not angry at his father. He was not angry toward the weaknesses of other people. He was angry at the system, religious system in Israel that abused the worship of God in the temple. He called the temple my father's house. He claimed to be the son of God. He was telling the people, it is my authority and my duty as the son of God to cleanse the house of my father, to cleanse the, te the temple. That's, that's why I'm, I'm driving all of you out of the temple. I am the son of God. The, the house of my father is being abused. I must cleanse the house of my father. 
And the other amazing thing that you see here is, and that's why you see what Jesus did at the temple was another miracle. Why do I say that? Because no one tried to stop him. One unknown man, one unarmed man, against all the people, against the rulers in Israel, against the priests, against even the soldiers of the Roman government around the, the, the temple. No one came to Jesus to stop him and drive him out of the temple. No one approached him. Do you see what happened? It was his divine power that was manifested in the temple that left them speechless. And no one resisted what he was doing to cleanse the temple. They saw God, they, they saw God's authority being manifested, being revealed in the temple. Jesus showed them that he was God, he was the Son of God with authority from above to cleanse the temple. Even his disciples remembered what is written in the book of Psalm 69. In Psalm 69, you see, the psalmist was calling the people to worship. He was calling the people to the temple for true worship of God. And what he got as a response from the people was resistance and anger and opposition. The psalmist uh, uh, describes that for us in Psalm 69. Let not those who hope in you be put to shame through me, O Lord God of hosts. Let not those who seek you be brought to dishonor through me, O God of Israel. For it is for your sake that I have borne reproach, that dishonor has covered my face. I have become a stranger to my brothers, an alien to my mother's sons. For zeal for your house has consumed me, and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. That's what the disciples remembered. They remembered David representing the Messiah. It was a messianic prophecy. He called them to worship God, and they rejected him. He called them to worship God, and they dishonored him. They despised him. They considered him as a stranger, even his own brothers in Israel. But David said, but zeal for your house has consumed me. Beloved, let me ask you this this morning. Does the abuse of God's worship in the church consumes your life with zeal? Does that make you angry, holy anger, toward prayer, toward standing for the truth of God's worship? Does that make you zealous? Are you like Christ? Yes, we're not going to go to any church and drive everyone out of the church building. We're not Christ. 
What about the zeal and the passion, the concern, the burden for true worship, true worship of God? That's what Jesus did at the temple. He drove everyone out of the temple because of the zeal that he had for God's house. What about the provision? He corrected the sin. He dealt with the sin. He drove all of them out of the temple. And notice what followed. So the Jews said to him, What sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, It has taken for six years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days. But he was speaking about the temple of his body. He already showed them a sign, a miracle. He turned water into wine. What more miracle do they need to see that Jesus was God, that Jesus was the Son of God, that He was the Christ, the Messiah, the King of Israel? What more sign do they need? Were they really serious and willing that if Jesus showed them one more sign that they would believe? No, because Jesus saw their heart. He knew the hearts of men. If you keep reading... John will tell you he knew the heart of everyone. He knew the heart of all men. They were not seeking more signs. What did Jesus give them? Jesus said, you only need one miracle now. And that is my resurrection. The power of my resurrection. Destroy this body and I will raise it up in three days. What was Jesus saying? You will destroy this body. You are going to kill me. You are going to crucify me. You will kill this body. You are about to do that. You will kill me. You will crucify me. You will destroy this body. But I will raise it up on the third day. That will be the miracle that you will see and believe. Do you know his Disciples believed in Christ after his resurrection. Many people came to faith after Christ's resurrection. And he was telling them, this is the only miracle that is left for you. Destroy this body and I will raise it up on the third day. In John 10, Jesus tells us that I have the authority to, to give it to death, and I have authority to raise it up. It is my authority to give my own life. To give up my own life to the cross, to die for sinners, and, and then on the third day raise it up from the dead. I am God. I will do that. Jesus brought them to his own resurrection, to the power of his resurrection. Why? Why that, that sign? Why, why that miracle, the miracle of his resurrection? Listen carefully here. 
Jesus is our new temple. We are members of his body. And all of us, we are God's temple. And we all need cleansing. We all need cleansing. And Jesus was telling them, you need me. You need to be in me so that I would save you, I would convert you, I would cleanse you. Paul tells us that we are the temple of God. And if we destroy this temple, God will destroy anyone who destroys his temple. But with us, the believers, God comes through the power of the Holy Spirit to cleanse us. We too need cleansing. Even today, the worship of God is being abused, being misused. We live in a time where the worship of God has turned into entertainment. Even prominent preachers in the evangelical and Protestant circle are now telling you to come to conferences. Unconditional conference, they call it. Where homosexuality must be accepted and permitted in the church. Where the church should take a position which is quiet, peaceful, middle approach without calling sin, sin, but be loving toward people, just bring them to Christ without telling them what they're doing is sin. And this were in the church. And this through whom? Through preachers of evangelical and Protestant churches. We need cleansing. We need cleansing individually as the temple of God. We need cleansing as the church of Jesus Christ. Beloved, what we lack in the church today is godliness, holiness, being set apart for God, for His worship. Jesus told all people who came to Him, He told them, Go and sin no more. Now evangelical preachers in the church are telling us, No, don't tell them that. Just embrace them. Just welcome them. Just point them to Christ. Which Christ? The Christ who said, go and sin no more. We need cleansing. Yes, we need conversion, but we need cleansing. We need godliness and holiness in the house of God. And for, what, for that, you and I need to be zealous. We also need to join the psalmist and Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, in saying the zeal of your house, the zeal for your worship, has consumed my life. May the Lord grant us his Holy Spirit, in the light of what we heard today, to be zealous 
for the worship of God. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious and heavenly Father, O oh Lord, we ask you to help us to love you, to love your worship, to be zealous for your house. In your house is worship, in your house is prayer, in your house is the fellowship of the saints. O oh Lord, help us not to misuse your house for our personal gain for our fame, for our name, but for the worship of you, our God. Cleanse your temple today. Here we are. Cleanse us individually as your temple. Cleanse us collectively as the church of Jesus Christ. Set us apart. Make us holy and godly. Help us not to compromise with the truths of the gospel. Help us to call sin, sin for the glory of your name. Yes, we should speak the truth in love. But love should not bury the truth. Oh Lord, help us to be zealous for your worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.